Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Caroline. And I'm Anna. And this is Seriously, the pop culture podcast from the New Statesman. Welcome back to another episode of Seriously. Thank you to Caroline for taking the podcast in her extremely capable hands while I was on holiday last week. I don't week. know. Have you heard it? Not yet. <laughs> At one point I talked about there might be a ghost in here. There might. <laughs> so, I don't know. We don't know. <laughs> so, thanks yet again, listeners, for all your great emails. Apparently last week someone recommended Gone Home, which is a video game uh, sort of referencing Fun Home a bit, which listeners know is one of our faves. And um, Josh Brown just emailed in to say that he was very excited to hear about that. And he says it shares a lot of common themes with Fun Home. Teens discovering LGBT identity, dark family secrets, a huge weird house in rural america which sounds perfect to me yeah it sounds great so definitely want to check that out thanks josh we've also heard from louise who gets in touch to recommend the before sunrise sunset midnight trilogy which are films that i've heard of they're these are link later aren't they yeah richard link later and i know um ns film critic ryan gilby is a massive fan of them and i remember how excited he was in 2013 when the final one came out if you haven't heard of them before louise says the first before sunrise introduces jesse played by ethan hawke and celine a brilliant judy delphi meeting on a train in 1995 and deciding to get off and spend 24 hours together in vienna they basically just walk around and talk but the dialogue and their relationship is wonderfully absorbing the second film picks up nine years later in paris the film plays out in real time and then the third before midnight picks up nine years later again in 2013 i think the main thing i remember reading about when the third one came out is that unlike a lot of film trilogies or whatever where they try and obscure the fact that actors age Mm. this film like actively wants you to know that a classic Linklater technique. Precisely. <laughs> Boyhood, etc., etc. Okay, um, yeah. very interesting. So I've sort of been meaning to give those a go for ages because they do sound like things I would like. Mm, definitely. So, so we'll add that to the ever-expanding Seriously Listener recommendation list. Which you can contribute to via email, seriouslypod at gmail.com or Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, all the same, seriouslypod. So this week we're going to start by talking about a new novel, The Lesser Bohemians is the second novel by Ema McBride, author of the award-winning A Girl is a Half-Formed Thing. Written largely in McBride's signature stream-of-consciousness style, it follows the sexual adventures of an 18-year-old Irish drama student on her first year studying in 1990s London. A very good description. Thank you, I thought so. A Girl is a Half-Formed Thing is just one of my best things in the world. Like, Mm -hmm. my favourite pieces of anything ever. It's just, when I read the book, I was like, 
oh my god i think i was just out of university and i had been reading like victorian novels and middle english and poetry for that whole study and then i came out and read that and it felt so fresh and so modern in comparison and i was just like oh my god i want to be reading only stuff like this for the rest of my life mm. uh, and then i saw the play version as well yes at the i Young saw that Vic. too yeah it was amazing wasn't it yeah. right so a high bar for i'm in a bride to beat um but i loved this too the lesser bohemians i thought was really really interesting and quite different actually to a girl is a half formed thing like quite sort of less bleak but bleaker in parts it's a real different voice as well. At the beginning, you could sort of imagine that they were almost the same person. But as it goes on, you get a real strong sense of Ailish's character. It's really interesting. What did you think? Yeah, I found it completely gripping. It's one of those books where I was enjoying it so much and the temptation was to race through it. Mm. But generally, when I'm really liking a book, I try and like ration it to read it slowly. So I read like 30 pages a day or something. But particularly with McBride's style, because it's a bit Beckett-y, it's a bit Virginia Woolfy, it's very kind of disjointed and Irish and modern and interesting. And if you read it too fast, I feel like you don't absorb it properly. At least I don't. Yeah, and also like on a more like practical level, because it's all stuff that's happening inside someone's head and it is so that stream of consciousness voice, if you skim over a paragraph, you might actually miss like huge plot points just buried yes, in there. Exactly. They're not necessarily going to come with loads of dialogue. It can be very subtly done. Yeah, so I really enjoyed taking my time with it and it does drop you into someone else's mind in a way that few other things are able to do so completely. So you do feel like you're inhabiting her as she you know, goes to her first lectures at drama school, like meets her first classmates, has, and then crucially what the, the book is actually about, has her first sexual experiences, has her first experiences of love, you know. Yeah, and they're really complicated experiences as well because a lot of them, I would say, are perhaps not fully consensual mm. um, and there's a lot of like darkness to her first sexual experiences, but that doesn't mean that they're all bad either. She's very good at treating these sorts of issues with real nuance without ever undermining the agency of the women in question. She always gives women agency, but is able to say that, you know, some of these sexual experiences or relationships we have with older men or whatever it is can be really tricky in their own way at the same time. And also just on a quite simple level, she's really good at conjuring what sex is like oh my god yeah it's yeah there's no bad sex writing in there no, at all but also i feel like even in books which you wouldn't necessarily characterize as bad sex writing mm -hmm. there's a kind of language and a vocabulary and a arm's lengthy euphemism type thing that we've developed in order to write about sex without it being like icky but this just pierces right through that you really recognize actual experience mm -hmm. in what she's giving you and proper realism but it's not nuts and bolts what went where yeah type. it's not anatomical ever yeah. and because because you've got that filter of these sort of slightly disjointed verbal thoughts from this girl but you never have to say like he did this she did that mm. it's much more about how those actions feel and that's why it's such great sex writing because you never when you're having sex you're not like looking from above at like the anatomical goings-on yeah. it's obviously a much more direct and physical emotional thing than that and then on top of that she somehow manages to layer in this very irishly rooted sense of like shame about yourself at the same time as this girl is like having all these experiences she's also internally castigating herself for having the experiences and yeah. trying to kind of process how she feels about it while it's happening but I also felt like she had a lot less shame than girl. Mm, yeah. Um. She is able to laugh about sex. She does have friends who think it's 
a little bit of fun boys and girls like she's got such a good support group it's not like she's only surrounded by these older severe irish relatives who chastise her for what she's doing although there there are some figures like that so in a way i found that a a lighter reading experience because of that because you're not constantly weighed down by this shame and anxiety Mm. and depression yeah you feel with her like she both has the potential but also wants to be happy Mm -hmm. definitely you really feel that in her and that that's actually obtainable for her character yeah exactly there's all these different obstacles in the way but she is always moving towards that goal of happiness and trying to articulate what she wants Mm. she's a good speaker with other people it's been so interesting seeing some of the critical reaction to it as well as a a novel because by and large people agree that Eve McBride is a very interesting and innovative novelist yeah like she's like one of our greats at the moment so she and Ali Smith have both pulled off this amazing prize double where they won both the Goldsmiths prize which is a prize specifically aimed at like innovative fiction Mm -hmm. they also won in the same year for the same novels they won the baileys prize which is completely different and aimed at like novels that appeal to a wide readership and that are of interest to women and this kind of thing so both of them ali smith with how to be both and even mcbride with a girl as a half-born thing both pulled off this amazing double of like writing innovative interesting groundbreaking novels that also appeal to loads of people yeah they are like real rarities absolute gems in that way so everyone seemingly agrees about that But then with this novel, and I don't particularly want to stereotype, I feel like the reviewers have done it for me. When women review this book, they really like it and they find it really interesting in how it writes about sex and relationships. When men, particularly older men, write about it, they find it icky. Yeah, oh lord. I mean, I haven't read any of the reviews, but I didn't didn't realise that this was a thing. The Times one in particular has some quote in it about how it just seemed to be an endless description of her knickers going up and down or something that is like that. That's so untrue. Have you even like tried <laughs> to engage with like a sentence in this book? I think I'm in McBride is amazing at what she does and it is really like complex literary work. Mm. But why does that mean that it has to be boring? Or about like approved literary subjects. Yeah, it's a really weird cognitive dissonance that some of these yeah. men need to figure out. It struck me in the same way that Mrs. Dalloway struck me when I first read it, and from like reading around the way Wolf was received at the time, the fact that Virginia Woolf had written about a man with PTSD at the time seemingly garnered a similar reaction at the time. It was like, that's not a subject for a novel. Right. And she was like, it is because I put it in a novel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's how this works. You know, so, yeah. um, and I feel like that's the same. It's like, you know, women's particularly like late teenage sexuality and feelings of romantic identity and stuff are, are not a subject for a literary novel. And writes like, but they are though, because yeah. I just wrote a novel about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can't, I can't recommend it enough. She also really does well in getting inside the psyche of a man in this mm, book, which yeah. is very different to girl. I was going to ask you, what did you think of the man? Do we ever find out his name actually? Yes. Stephen. Stephen. Yes. But there's a thing with names in this book where they don't appear until quite a lot later Mm. in the novel as you don't really find out any names at all in girl in this they sort of come once they've formed better connections with people Mm. i mean i don't know if i would be like steven's a great guy i think he doesn't always treat ailish brilliantly but i think what she does is she just she just creates very unjudgmental portraits of vulnerable Mm. people so you would never condemn this guy because basically there's a section in the book that's probably over 50 pages long that is him spending the night telling eilish about his life Mm. so you get to know him extremely well all the all the sort of things that have happened in his childhood and his life that have sort of 
ended up making him a certain way but that doesn't necessarily mean that he always behaves perfectly either it's quite it's a delicate balance that she strikes in her portrayal of characters and i think the almost the best thing about it is that they are neither judgmental nor totally forgiving yeah and there are some really amazing moments with him like i'm thinking of one of the first i think it's the first time they sleep together when she gets really panicky and nervous at the point when like clothes are coming off so he's like sit down on the bed i'll take my clothes off Mm. and like really exaggeratedly and sillily like takes all his clothes off to like make her feel at ease yeah he says he's giving her the grand tour of his body and he stands there naked and he goes hair mine like yeah it's you know it's a bit like ring model zone it's quite funny but then after that the sex takes a turn and she's really uncomfortable and it's clear that she's in pain but she's like can you just do it and get it over with and he's like yeah okay and Mm. just does it and that leaves you feeling really uncomfortable as a reader because you know that this is not really how it should be this is not fully consensual sex i like that she's able to do that all in one go because life is like that (laughs) yeah it's a fabulous novel we think anyway no matter what crusty times reviewers think and uh it's one we'd like to hear your thoughts on as well i think yeah definitely it's out read it tell us what you think hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The next thing we're going to talk about this week is The Get Down, a new Netflix original series set in 1970s Bronx, that's New York, English people, exploring the disco and hip-hop scenes of the time. Created by Baz Luhrmann, it stars Justice Smith, Shamyak Moore, and Jaden Smith in an all-singing, all-dancing extravaganza. With just a little courage, you could really be something. 
I got courage. Let's take a trip back. Back in the time, 1977, it was maximum crime. You're a natural wordsmith, man. You're working for drug dealers. You ever thought of quitting? This ain't Disneyland, this is the Bronx! Now, the opening episode of The Get Down is, I think, like, 93 minutes long? Yeah. It's a whopper. It's a yeah. big, long episode. <laughs> it really is, and it's all I've managed to watch so far. Same. I had to really set aside some time to do that, and you do sort of have to concentrate on this, mm. although it is fun and light in some ways. It isn't something that you can sort of watch with one eye on something else, is it? No, it's not like easy TV in the sense that it's quite cinematic and obtuse in places, and it does this really cool thing that I really like, where it layers in like actual archive film footage of the places where it's all set with the like fictional version. Yeah, I think that's really clever, that cut mm. and paste technique, because I think it's obviously referencing the sampling that was going on in hip-hop yeah. as an emerging genre at the time, so they're obviously trying to reflect that in there. And it just, even from a historical point of view, I found it so interesting. A big theme of the first episode is about like the decay and the neglect that has allowed the Bronx to become this like borough of falling down buildings it kind of looks a bit like the east end after the blitz apart from yeah. there haven't been any bombs you know yeah a man li- literally at one point comes and stands in in the middle of all the bricks like i want to put a lake here it's yeah. gonna be beautiful <laughs> it's like these dreams that people have to sort of completely reform their communities basically yeah. so actually seeing the real life footage interlaced with that just really hammers home that like no this actually happened this is what happened to this place and it's a great way of going into the exploration of how music changed the area mm. and how people were using music as a channel when other things seemed bleak and impossible there's like a sort of graffiti plot line as well like all these sort of like young extremely creative black kids and latino kids who are trying to like break out of a sort of shitty system i think for that reason you get really like carried along with the characters and their motivations and their dreams and stuff quite quickly yeah and you learn again fairly quickly about the different pressures and difficulties in each character's lives Mm -hmm. and a lot of them are stories that we're quite familiar with stories of you know like racial inequality and poverty and gang violence and people's parents dying and all this kind of stuff Mm. but they're never presented as like this is so and so feel sorry for him because his mother is dead yeah it it comes in tangentially later on once you've learned that he's amazing at poetry you know Mm. so it doesn't feel like a typical way of telling these sort of stories yeah if for me, it feels like they're not fetishized yes, in certain ways. Yeah. And obviously, I'm not completely knowledgeable about the community and the stuff of the time. So maybe they are. I don't know. But as like a random audience member, I felt like they weren't. And they were treated with a lot more depth than sometimes these characters are. Mm. Yeah. And it just looks and sounds awesome, this program. Like yeah. the music and the colors and the aesthetic and the fashion and everything of it is so cool. The music is amazing. Everyone looks gorgeous. Like Jaden Smith, especially, I have to mm-hmm. say, it's just like a ridiculously handsome human being. I don't even <laughs> like, obviously we know how that happened, but it's just crazy. And the actual soundtrack that goes with the show, I love. I really think it's worth listening to. It's just like a whole big melting pot of all these different like sounds and ideas, which I guess is what was going on at the time so that's what they're trying to prove to you in all these different ways with the style of editing with the fashion with the soundtrack that they produced along with the program but it's really exciting it feels really cool yeah it does i am a little bit baffled by the format of it though because it's got what six episodes is that right Mm, but a varying length a varying length as we said the first one's like over 90 minutes and then the others vary between about 60 and 90 yeah which is something you can only do on these streaming services isn't it only do that on netflix and also i'm not gonna lie as much as I, i did really like it and i am interested to keep watching it 
there were points in the first episode where I was like, how much longer is there to go of this? Like, yeah, I feel like we've had a lot already. Yeah, it's like a movie in that sense, that first mm. episode, because you have so many different plot lines. So you've got this guy, Ezekiel, who's lovesick over this amazing singer that he's working with. She's got all these concerns of her own and that she comes from an extremely religious background and her parents only want her to sing church music, essentially, hymns, and she wants to sing disco then there's a whole other plot line where they're introduced to hip hop. There's a plot line about graffiti artists. There's a plot line about like the drugs power battles going on in these clubs at the same time that they're discovering all these different music genres. It's, there's the kind of political stuff as well, isn't yeah, there? There's like the mayor. Stuff about the mayor. Yeah. I think for me, some of those heavier plot lines about politics and drugs were a bit flabby and a bit much, but at the same time you need them to undercut the sort of very idealistic teenage coming-of-age struggles that are the centre because you need that urgency behind them about why it's not that easy for them to just stay in the Bronx. Mm. So it's a delicate balancing act, and for me, perhaps it got like a little too convoluted and serious at, at points in that first episode, but I'd like to keep watching and see, you know, where that balance ends up being struck. Yeah, and I feel it's an interesting moment the Get Down represents, Mm. doesn't it? Because here you've got like a big time film director making something that isn't a film, but also isn't really a TV series. It's this new thing. It's internet content, Mm -hmm. essentially. And because it's on the internet, he can have varying episode lengths and... He can say no to convention, I guess. Yeah, exactly. But I'm not quite there as a viewer. I don't Mm. know. Like, I need to work out how I watch this. Like... Is it a thing that you can watch like in portions of your own making so you don't need to watch a whole episode? You can watch like 40 minutes and then 40 minutes the next night or are you supposed to binge it? Like I I need to learn. Yeah, me too. So it's a beguiling and strange creature to get down, Mm. but I think we're excited to get to know it a little bit better. Last week, I suggested that Caroline watch Netflix movie Tallulah, directed by Sean Heeder, and it stars Ellen Page and Alison Janney from Juno. Caroline, what did you think? I thought it was amazing. Oh, good. I really, really liked it. We are going to go deep into Tallulah, so I think we both recommend that everyone watch Tallulah and then come back and listen to this bit, right? Yep. Yeah. So the basic premise of it is that Ellen Page plays Tallulah, uh, who is a young woman who... You know, she got abandoned by her mum when she was very young and she lives this kind of nomadic lifestyle where she lives in her van. It's like if Juno lived in her van. (laughs) It kind of is, yeah, basically. And then she, you know, she has this boyfriend who's been travelling with her. He decides to leave her and go back to his family in New York. Yeah. So Tallulah's kind of like, oh, I don't really know what I'm doing. A series of kind of random coincidences. She's a great hustler, Tallulah. And in the course of trying to, like, steal some food in a hotel, she finds this baby who is being massively neglected by its incredibly wealthy mother. And she just takes it. Yeah. And then a whole load of stuff happens where she ends up like basically living with her ex-boyfriend's mum, played by Alison Janney, uh, having led her to believe that the baby is her granddaughter. Mm-hmm. And she just tries to keep this sort of fantasy yeah. going for as long as she possibly can. She right? keeps it running and, you know, without giving away the ending completely, it doesn't 
last forever <laughs> work out for her like of course inevitably the police catch up with the stolen child you know that kind of thing but you know that's going to happen like it's the yeah. inevitability of the of the kind of plot but you're just so invested in it not happening you're like but the baby's better with her do you think? Because I was really conflicted about the stealing of the baby. Yeah, well, this is the thing. When it, it was happening, I was like, no, 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 don't do that, don't mm. do that, don't do that. This doesn't do end that. well for either of you. Yeah. yeah. But I know because you interviewed the director, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, and she time. was quite like, I worked as a maid in these sorts of hotels and I saw neglected children and I wanted to steal them. And I was like, what would actually happen if I really did do that? And that's sort of where the genesis of the idea came from. But f- for me, watching it, that... I felt like the mother is so vulnerable and trying her best that I found it quite hard to be like, yeah, that baby's definitely better off with like Juno. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Juno. The characters are so similar. They I even know. dress alike. With like Tallulah who, there, there's a line in Juno where she says, I can't have a baby, you know, I'm, I'm ill-equipped. She just says, I'm ill-equipped like that. And Tallulah is ill-equipped yeah, to look lived, after this baby. She lives in a van. Like she, she doesn't have any money. She doesn't have any right over the child for a start, <laughs> which is a pretty important piece of equipment that you need. Um, and she she she's struggling in her own mental well-being anyway. Yeah. It's just a lot. To, it's, it's a lot for her. So I felt torn because basically neither of these situations seem perfect for that child, but then nobody's upbringing is perfect. Everyone's just people trying to bring up children and everyone has difficulties. Again, it's something that's sort of non-judgmental in the way it explores mm. those issues because I was worried that it was going to be really judgmental at the, in the opening, but it doesn't. A part that I found completely beguiling was that there's a slight like fantasy element where at the beginning Tallulah is talking quite in the beginning anyway Tallulah is talking with Alice and Janie they're in the park with the baby and she's saying like do you ever imagine what would happen if you just suddenly started floating if gravity stopped working and you just started floating up past the trees and she's at the beginning she's had this nightmare of this happening and her like desperately trying to cling onto the back of her van and not like just float off into the sky like a balloon and and then she says like would you try and grab on like what would, would you what or would you just let go would you just go and see you know accept the inevitable is kind of the metaphor that I think mm-hmm. it's trying to make and then at the end after everything that's happened Alice and Janney's like lying in the park and suddenly she starts floating and she decides to grab on yeah. and it's like it's such an interesting moment because all, all the things that have happened both you know ambiguously we don't really know what happens to Tallulah or the baby or the rest of it but what we do know is that Alison Janney's character has gone from someone who like doesn't want to live really to being someone who will like grab onto a tree if yeah it's alive yeah exactly know? it's a really it's a beautiful film I think yeah it's really beautiful both in what it makes you think about and also just visually it's really stunning yeah so what about for next week, Caroline? I can't wait to hear what delights are in store for me. So I'm going to recommend the latest YouTube hole that I've fallen down. Oh, always a good one. Which is this strand of BuzzFeed's video output called Ladylike. Ooh. And I think it's these women are based out of their LA office. It certainly looks like LA when they go outside. Uh, and they are five, they're five or six like BuzzFeed staffers who make these videos. And they're generally like fashion or beauty or friendship or like romance related sounds broad it is broad but they they do stuff like so for instance there was one where i watched where they tried out different like celebrity brands of sportswear and they so they all wore like different Beyonce or Kate Hudson or Ivy Park don't even get me started on Fabletics never buy Fabletics (laughs) (laughs) so yeah anyway they all wore uh one of those and then did a load of 
sport and then told you what you thought. Or there was another one where uh, two of them got handcuffed together for 24 hours. And, like, These are completely made vid- random. <laughs> made a video diary about it, you know. Okay, great. Or there was another one where they all like dressed the same as their partners for a whole week. That's funny. You know, so it's... I think I saw that as an article from yeah. from Jen Lewis at BuzzFeed. So. Yes, she's one of the women who's in uh, it. Yeah. Okay, cool. So it's kind of random, but I find it really charming, and I'm not really sure why. So I would like you to help me work that out. Do you think, as an unladylike person, I will enjoy Ladylike by BuzzFeed? I think that is why I enjoy it. Okay, great. Also, because the people on it are not what you would think of as ladylike. I think it's probably a joke. Okay, perfect. Can't wait. Thanks for listening to Seriously, the pop culture podcast from the New Statesman. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to Seriously. All you have to do is search SRSLY in iTunes or any other podcasting app you use. While you're there, it would be really great if you could leave us an iTunes review as it helps other people find the show. We also rely on you listeners for your recommendations. So if you want to tell us what you thought about something or if you've got something we should watch, You can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, via email. All the details are on seriouslypodcast.com. If you like, you can also recommend us to your friends, family, neighbours, strangers. Let them know that you like the podcast and they should be listening to it too. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.